0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now.
0: My computer's not even going to... It's not going to run at all. Okay, we're live. Thanks for coming in, Sarah Gritzinger. (laughs) It's good to be here. Um, We had a rock and roll show in here last night, so we had to do some cleaning up to get... Oh yeah. (laughs) To make it... All right, for you to come in, and uh, so I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Now, for those that don't know who you are, maybe we could spend a little bit of time. Absolutely. Starting from the beginning, you were born in a cold, wintry day in 1955.
1: I was actually born in the summer. <laughs> uh, I was born in Niagara-on-the-Lake. My family, oh, yeah. yes, Good. I'm very quiet, apparently like a mouse. Yeah, come up. Oh, <laughs> mic. Um, So born and raised in Niagara-on-the-Lake, moved to St. Catharines when I was 16 and have basically lived there ever since. Moved back to Niagara-on-the-Lake for a while and ended up back in the city. I own an international marketing agency. Um, Most people know me for that and for the Savvy Networker, which is our networking event, which is here in St. Catharines and also in Las Vegas now, which is very cool. And I recently published a book. So I am becoming very well known for my life story.
0: Wow. And I read the book. Wow. Um, Let's talk about that later. Um, (laughs) Because I I think there's so many different directions you can go with what you covered in that book that are very relevant today. And I don't know you that well. And I, I always, it's interesting for me to interview people that I don't know that well because... You really don't know what makes them tick or where they're coming from. The book I feel like gives me a pretty complete insight who you were at one time, probably yes. still are, and how you think and feel about things. Um, tell me about the the first time I meet you was at a networking event, which I don't do much anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you were doing some kind of cleanse.
0: I and you was, looked like hell.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I normally do. I um. No, I was on. I was just doing protein. Oh, you no were sick carbs. Or something I, I don't had remember. the. Yeah, I had the keto flu. Is what and you uh, nailed it. You came up and I think you would just have to be like on the outside of the conversation yes. and then inserted yourself into it by saying, "Well, I heard something about the flu, so stay away from me." I'm like, "No, no, really, it's the <laughs> keto flu. Come here, come here." Um, I never. I only just recently started feeling like the shirts that I'm wearing that don't fit properly, need. To, I need to deal with them. <laughs> and the way to not deal with those shirts is not to have them taken out by a tailor. It's to get rid of my baby Buddha. that I have. baby Buddha. Well, I have a little bit of a paunch <laughs> or a gut or a Buddha or whatever you... You look fine. And, but my shirts, they don't look good in my, you know, I only have a few good shirts that fit snugly, let's say. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good with a with a little pouch. <laughs> and it's not big. You but, need to get a girdle. So I <laughs> decided, and for many other reasons too, energy levels, I've heard all kinds of things about depression and clarity and yeah. uh, energy levels, testosterone levels too, mm-hmm. apparently going off the charts. Now, I don't suffer from a lack of testosterone. I know that for sure. Uh, but I figured I'd give this thing a try. So in January... I went out with a friend of mine and I had my last supper. My last supper. As a carb eater. (laughs) And I didn't know that I was going to actually stay true to it, but I did. and And you stuck to it. No, that? I have not. Oh. No, no, I'm off it now. Oh. Uh, I started again this week, but it's it's difficult. It takes some discipline.
1: It's one of those things that you stay true to until you don't, and right. then You just get to keep starting uh, over. Oh yeah, like the typical. It's diet. just like
0: quitting anything, and I think yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I was never present to my sugar addiction until then. So I could go on and on, but they call it the Jim Fannin Show for a reason, but it should be more about my guests. So anyways, yeah, I bump into you. I've got the keto flu. I'm dying. Like literally I had three nights of bed sweats, four days of a headache, a low-level headache, not a migraine, but it was there, and it was – yeah, I shouldn't say low-level. It was a pretty good headache. And then all these aches and pains and cramps. Well, I lost 15 pounds in, I don't know, three or four or five weeks. Just by quitting carbs and sugar.
1: You should just start hanging around people who have the flu. I hate You'll people. You'll drop weight I like this. I don't want. Yeah,
0: no, uh, no. <laughs>
1: just hang around the sick people.
0: I hate people. That's why I talk to them on air. Uh, so anyway, I got through that uh, after the keto flu lasted about four days, I think, and then the benefits were pretty good afterward. But. Um, no, so I meet you at a networking event. One, again, I don't go to these things anymore because I'm tired of seeing the same people there. And, and we
1: were barefoot. And it he, was so weird. I don't go barefoot anywhere. I'm sockfoot. But sock remember foot. we had to take... Well, yeah, yeah but we had it's to take our studio. shoes off. And I was so like...
0: Yeah. Everybody well,
1: knows me. I'm always in high heels. And so they're like, oh, no, take your shoes off. I went, what?
0: Oh, that had to be difficult. Terribly <laughs> difficult strange. for you. So, yeah, I think I was talking to Steven. he, And he... Yes. And he thinks you're a rock star for whatever reason and introduced you as one like straight up
1: that's good <laughs>
0: and then i had this brain fart where i thought you were someone different like i knew the name yeah but you you're not the person me. that i think i met five or seven years ago and didn't we do it? no and i'm like did you change your whole look and drop 60 pounds no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely were you not. blonde at once yeah but no i wasn't that girl you're thinking of someone else So, and I had to go, I don't know, my back was acting up that day. I got out of there. Uh, And then, so that's the first time, uh, well, the first time I remember meeting you. Yeah. Um, And then, like, within seven days, you walk into Beattie's while I'm checking out at the counter (laughs) and, like, total grubbed out. Like, I mean... (laughs) Hey, eh? was it like you wouldn't have recognized no me? You walk right by me. I recognize you because I've seen you dressed up a couple times. And I'm like, oh, hey, there's Sarah. I don't That's like, like oh, hey. twice in two days. It was pretty close. Yeah. And then
1: that was the night of my networking. Event. Exactly. And, and I was I've like, become, go home, change, and come on out.
0: And I resisted. I said no, or I said, well, I kind of didn't commit. I'm getting a little bit better at saying yes to things that I don't know why.
1: I didn't really give you a, a choice though. I didn't. I said, "Oh, I'll see you at 7. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't ask. There's I just kind of
0: always options for me. And so how I handle that option is I come home and I text you around four thirty, or whatever it is, uh, or no, most of been after five because I said I can't be there for five. Like I'm running. I'm running late, and you're like, "Good, it's at seven. See you then." <laughs> yeah.
1: That's why I'm the savvy networker.
0: I'm like, no... such a loser. I'm trying to get out of this. No out. At all costs. <laughs> I can't even come up with a good lie to give you, someone I, I barely know, a reason to not come to this, another networking event. And then, so I'm glad I came to the second one because the first one, for whatever reason, I think you said you, uh, you let somebody else take care of handling yourself. I or something. watching. And and then
1: (laughs) no, it was our staff. The week
0: after first month, again, I'm resisting this thing, and I'm glad I came. I'm always glad when I come afterwards because, well, Chris Curry was there. I haven't seen him in a long, you know, a big fan of his, and we sat together, and Paul Layton came in, and and so I I was I was glad I came, but the room was full, and this is jam
1: packed. We had like like usually these
0: networking events are things you feel like you have to go to. Because someone's making you go, or your boss wants you to go, or you need to be seen, yeah. or wh- you want the free food—that's the guys I kind of want to <laughs> stay away from. It's the same guys that show up to the same events every time for the finger food, yes. like eat before you come. Anyway, <laughs> so I was—I'm glad I came to the second one because yeah, it was uh, you had a good room of people, and then... it was
1: literally we—we we ran out of chairs. We had yeah. to like sneak no, into that's the a other great, room and steal some.
0: That's a—that's a great. Job and then you do a panel too, right? So you have business people on the panel normally or always every month, they're all professional people, right?
1: More or less, (laughs) most of them, no, yeah. So we have um, entrepreneurs from the Niagara region who come out and speak on a different topic every month, Mm -hmm. so it's always marketing related.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I like it because it wasn't the same people. Yeah, when they're different speakers, right, which makes it... When you go to, you know, business after five or whatever, and that's where I met you was at Yoga by Sarah's, and the only reason I was there is because Sarah was being appreciated that day. She's a friend of mine, so I felt like I should support her in that way, and and that was fine, but normally I don't go to these things for the reasons I just mentioned, but yours seems to be a little bit different.
1: Well, ours is Monday, and I expect you to be there. Uh Not negotiable. (laughs) 7 p.m.,
0: Oh, you're uh, this Monday? Yeah, up. this Monday. All right. Yep. Now, the last one I was at, again, good room, packed. You had a good conversation with the panelists up there. And then you gave away two trips to Vegas.
1: We did. So it was me... crazy, which is probably why the room was so packed.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's a good reason, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, so... Um...
0: Well, it's a great promo to get people there too. Oh, absolutely!
1: And we were very fortunate that we, our sponsors, covered all of that for us, and so it was a really great way to, you know, take that money from the sponsors and put it back into the community and allow people to kind of grow their network. So, um, yeah, we were offered an opportunity to host the event every single month in Las Vegas, and so this past month was the first time going. I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do because it was very different, right? There was different people there. None of them really knew who I was, and so, you know, I go in there being my normal bubbly, you know, just say it like it is kind of person, and they're all looking at me like, "And who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here?" But uh, no, we had a great turnout there too, so it was good.
0: What's your business? Like what do you do? I so
1: we we do inbound marketing. So actually, we've literally in the last two months have just changed our company structure. So we're a marketing agency. We have three departments now. So we have sales, web, and inbound marketing. So we do a lot of social media content creation, web development. What's and inbound marketing? Inbound marketing is i it's ideally traction marketing. So in the most simplistic traction? way, attraction, attraction marketing. Okay. So if you like go online right now and you find an article. The article has links that go to different places, which leads you to sign up to something, which puts you on a drip campaign. And so they constantly target you that way with information you want, right? So we give you something, you know, we get something. And so we attract people that way.
0: And so how do you translate that to Vegas?
1: Uh, I have a lot of clients in Vegas. And so it honestly was kind of very random I got a call someone that I know in Vegas was at a networking event um, with one of the hotels that I work with there and the hotel owner heard about it and said you know they were talking about me in this event that I do here And the hotel owner heard about it and got in touch with me and said like I keep hearing about this thing that you're doing and then so watched
0: just the same meeting as you do in St. how
1: yeah it's the exact same thing Obviously, different people, and so you know we're we're changing it up a little bit there to suit what they need because you know there was a lot of insurance brokers there. Which you know here we have so many different people from so many different businesses, and I was like, half of the room there were insurance brokers, and I was going, hmm.
0: (laughs) How many people in the room in Vegas? Uh,
1: We had sixty-four people, which was good for the first time. Is
0: there uh, just? is it attracting insurance people or they just happen to be in town I I think it just yeah I I don't
1: know what it was we were and I was kind of going okay and so it was geared on surviving the first year in business and so I don't know a whole lot about insurance and I'm going okay what do we talk about now Mm -hmm. but uh, we made it work so it was good
0: so what's the hook then what's uh, your uh, value proposition for lack of a better term I don't even know where that came from (laughs) Must be my sales training somewhere (laughs) along the way. Back. I mean, ideally, need a value proposition.
1: What we will do is, um, we're offering membership packages so people can come on like a three-tiered membership package where they get put on our directory. And you know, get free tickets to the events. We'll do a breakfast event there as well, which will extend the time we're in Vegas. So we'll have networking and then a breakfast, and, and all of that referral, kind of like BNI or something like that. Mm-hmm. Except ours, our events are very different, right? Anyone who's ever been to them, there's.
0: I'm just gonna roll this one eye so nobody can see <laughs> in the camera.
1: Yeah, roll the one. Not eye. this one. No, we, I... need,
0: we need another business group, another awards uh, ceremony, yeah. and another uh, chamber.
1: Yeah. Well, if they're run by me, we need it. (laughs) But but ours is very different, right? Like this month at the Savvy Networker, uh, we're doing live interviews with people who are attending. And instead of just having people like walk around the room and network, we actually have like a worksheet where people can work out different stuff on their businesses. The panelists are going to help them do it. So they're walking away with that educational component. So they're not just Meeting people, they're actually growing their business while we're there because of course we're marketing, so we want to make sure we fit that all in.
0: Savvy Networkers the event. Yes. Savvy marketing.
1: Market savvy and co is the company. Market savvy and, and co and savvy networkers the event. Right on. And um, I never I love my company, but I never want to hear the word savvy again. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> Time for a rebrand.
0: <laughs> I say exactly. I saw the savvy mortgage broker or something up there the I just, other day. Yeah, so like I I'm j- like, am I just seeing savvy or it's savvy everywhere? Becoming popular now.
1: Yeah, it's becoming very popular. So we started changing things to like SBC, like Savvy Business Club. I'm like, I never want to say savvy again. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you must have saw it coming. Yeah. What are you uh, personally passionate about? What uh, What do you find? That it doesn't matter who you're talking to. It's not more than a couple minutes before you're on to.
1: Um, Honestly, I think it stays with my job. Because I we our business motto is people first, business second. And so people know that. It's become sort of our company culture. And so when I talk to people, I'm all about like, who are you? What are you doing? And right away, they come back to me with how I can help them. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I put their... Their personality their family they're all of that stuff as the value they come to me with like how can you fix this for me and so I tend to stay very work focused all of the time except for when I'm at home with my kids being
0: you don't find the same type of topics come I mean you can't just say work I mean don't, or...
1: well now I mean a lot of people are shifting focus on talking about my life my life has kind of been really private and now I've done this video series on the book and there's bits and pieces of it out there and people are like, whoa, yeah. didn't see that coming or holy crap, did she just say that? And so yeah, I'm I wish getting... you'd
0: stop doing all that <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Why? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Well, that's a uh, perfect segue then. So uh, we've met before over coffee, I think once, right? Once. Um, you're easy to get to know you kind of wear it on your sleeve type of thing and and i, I think i'm the same way too i'm the same guy and if i'm selling real estate or emceeing or you know it doesn't matter i sit and having coffee i'm just shoot the shit yeah and i have recently well, well i'm a i'm a i'm thirsty for knowledge i'm and that's trouble because when you find the knowledge sometimes it doesn't mesh with what you normally believed and you're in a you you're in this this place of like well you know this is new information that causes me to
1: conflicts with what you yeah and i'm
0: not used to that and it's been quite painful because i'm a lefty politically and i I don't want to get into that but when i see people doing what you're doing including writing the book it's got to be emotionally terrifying
1: it's been difficult
0: like why tell me that first of all you are making yourself far more more vulnerable than any of us ever would imagine to be I wonder what's the payoff is there a personal payoff there are you trying to sell a book do you want to help people like is it all the things I don't
1: the The reason why I started writing it and oh, this is gonna make me sound crazy <laughs> the books coming so Honestly, there was so much stuff in my life that when people would say to me, oh, do you remember when? I'd be like, no. (laughs) Was I part of that? Like, that happened? I I literally just couldn't even piece it together anymore. I had no timeline of my life. I I literally, like, blacked out of moments, and so I had been trying to, like, piece together this timeline to try to figure out, like, where did I live here? Where was I there? Where were my kids when this was happening? And it just sort of started becoming stories, which of course turned into the book. And then my seven year old, well, seven and a half year old daughter at the time said, Mommy, how come this happened? And then I went, Uh, like how do you explain that to a child, right? How did this traumatic thing in my life happen that affected her? And so the book then became a way to tell my children one day, like, this is why your life was the way it was.
0: And you write letters to them as well, right? And
1: so the book has letters to well, multiple people, right? But there's letters to the children in the book explaining, like, this is what I want you to take from this. So that Oh, one... I thought
0: that the one that letter said to you, I thought that was like to me.
1: No, no, yeah, yeah, dear, well, there's letters to the reader and Cause... then there's like letter, there's a letter that says like dear daughter, right? right? And so there's a letter that says dear son, there's a letter to my ex, <laughs> mm-hmm. dear you. <laughs> um, that one's a little intense, a lot of people that have read it were like, wow, well, that was.
0: When's the book come out?
1: Uh, the pre-order has already been up. And so that started a couple of weeks ago. The actual book shipment date is, uh, Tuesday. Wow. Yes.
0: That's, uh, do you have other books as well?
1: I wrote a children's book uh, a few years ago. It's a story about my daughter and I, it's like a kid's bedtime story. So it's just a fun, whatever. okay. And the illustrator tried to create the characters to look like my daughter and I. Uh, she failed miserably. She was wonderful, but the artist, you mean? Yeah, we, uh, the, yeah, we, we don't look like us. In fact, we look like we're eating mud in one of the images. But it's all good. <laughs> yeah, there's like monkeys around us, and we've got like mud in our mouths. It's really weird. But anyways, um, and then I wrote a book for entrepreneurs. It's a day planner that like incorporates. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, blogs, all of that stuff okay. that, you know, marketers need and people who are running businesses.
0: So, The Glass Ceiling. Yes. That's your latest book. Yes. And comes out Tuesday next Tuesday. week. And I'm trying to dig back, get a little deeper into the why. Like, you think that, because when I'm reading this, my mind goes instantly to, well, hopefully someone's going to read this and, and, and feel like they're not alone or there'll be something in there. Maybe they're a perpetrator of some of this stuff and they'll go, Oh my, I didn't even realize until I saw it in paper. Or maybe a victim would see it as like, I'm not the only one.
1: Yeah. So uh, and
0: there's some, some helpful advice, not advice, but there's just, you're sharing in such a way that I think that that could be helpful for some people. So is, and I kind of can't help but think, well, that's why you write a book like this because it's not to say look at me. Nobody wants to be looked at in uh, that way. Yeah, normally, there's a lot
1: of stuff in there you don't really. No. want. we did a lot of like re-edit, re-edit, re right. the, the editor Sheena Blake was amazing. Like, you don't... Sh- go deeper, Sarah. Like that's not enough. Like okay. there's not enough there. So the way the book is written, and, and you read it, and so not a ton of people have read it yet, but it kind of keeps people in the moment. Like I'm talking to them, like. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's happening around me. Like, um, you know, talking about my son. And, and so there's a chapter about my son and I had postpartum depression. And I'm talking about my son being folded up inside the stove. Oh. and
0: I have to go back and read it. I'm like, okay, wait, did I, did I miss something? Like, no. Okay, he's in this. And I'm like, I can't, I'm skipping down to see, like, is this a dream?
1: Well, and that's the thing, right? Like I write it as I'm seeing it. So Mm. there's this little tiny body folded up inside the stove. And like, I talk about the color of his skin and, you know, and the light on in the stove and all this stuff. And then I, I jump back to like, that's what my mind saw, but that's not really what was there. So I made a point of having people live in the moment with me so that they could feel or hopefully feel all of the stuff that I was feeling so that it was really relatable because oftentimes you know we read books and it's it's a story and you just kind of go oh yeah Um, we actually just launched in our video series I don't know if you've seen them but to bold or not to bold so when you're talking about the point of the book I was very intentional in not really having one which is odd from a marketing perspective but I want people to take from it what they will Right. So we had a lot of like text that was bolded and it kept like going back to like, that's life. Like this is life. People just accepted, And I made a point of taking all of that out so that you, the reader, would take from it whatever you saw, as opposed to me trying to direct what you would learn from it. Right. So Mm -hmm. that you my experiences would become something that could reach anybody, essentially. And there's a lot of experiences in the book
0: yeah and I certainly don't question the point i could be no, no, like, yeah. even just writing the book if you never published it, it would be tremendously therapeutic to put your ideas down, especially those ones. yeah I just wondered if there was an aim or a goal or a kind of like um what did you call it earlier when you asked me to you should have a a projection well, yeah, a or point you know,
1: right like there's to be a point to things. I mean the point to me personally on a personal level. Um, and so I have talked about this before is not a lot of people know this, but I, I actually gave my daughter away and like physically six months old, like handed her to someone and gave her away. And so being a mom and, you know, most people see me as this like really successful professional who's kind of got it all together and you know, great mom, but not a lot of people know that story. Not a lot of people understand what that was like. And, you know, being nine years old now, she has no idea why. Like she doesn't even realize that that's what happened. She doesn't understand why she has less time with mommy and more time with daddy and like why daddy says these things about mommy or why her life was like this. And so that deep rooted for me is that, one day she needs to know and understand that. If someone else can learn something from it, great, right? But I want her to grow up one day and have someone essentially go, like, your mom's story changed my life. So that her life now has a new purpose, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't just mommy handed me away. It was this happened and there's a bigger picture here. And Mm -hmm. so hopefully one day that will come across to her in whatever way you know the world foresees it to happen.
0: What do you tell people the book's about? And what can you say about the book without, you know, giving too much of it away? I, I kind of, even in the promo of having you yeah. on, I stayed away from it from the standpoint because I don't know, you know, having an advanced copy before, you know, I'd certainly... <laughs> I was like, don't I'm, tell anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I, I get why, and I'm certainly uh, not able to pick and choose what we can tell. You no, know, t- you're talking about fine. the baby in the oven type of thing. So yeah. what do you tell people... Uh, the book is about or or if you were to describe the book to someone, how would you put it?
1: Um, I mean, most often I tell people it, it really just is a story of my life because essentially it's, you know, there's seven stories in there. They're all different things that I've gone through in life and they're things that everyone can relate to in some way or another, whether it's the actual traumatic incidents or... You know how I felt after, or how I overcame it, or what stuck with me, and I think that's what makes the book very different. Is that a lot of people, and I, I always chuckle on, you know. So hopefully, no one's watching this. But no one's, no one's (laughs) watching watching this part. But (laughs) there's these people who go through like this really traumatic thing, and then I see them on stages, and they're like, "Yeah, my life's incredible," and I'm like, "Really? Is it? Is it like suddenly just poof, perfect?" Because I went through these things and like pieces of that stuck with me and they mm. probably will never go away or they change the way I see the world and it's not all good and so I kind of look at it and I go like I don't understand either there's something flawed with me and I haven't got there yet or these people are kind of living in this world where their life is suddenly perfect for the media and I made a choice to not do that right all I mean a choice to let the story just be like this is real life people And, you know, something bad might happen tomorrow, right? Like, I'm getting ready to launch the book and my grandfather passes away. Like, totally unexpected, but this is life. Like, you live with that, you deal with it, and you just take it as it comes at you, so. Mm.
0: So, book comes out on Tuesday. Um, There seems to be, and you mentioned the postpartum depression, there seems to be some struggles with uh, mental illness or addictions or i mean non addiction
1: so in a very honest way um i had postpartum depression and when i went into the hospital they you know they do like the quick assessment on you and like within
0: do you know what it is postpartum like to me it's just your hormones rage you have your baby the hormones change again and you're you're left messed up mentally no
1: not quite it's no, not related
0: to hormonal baby yeah, yeah yeah
1: it is but every woman experiences it in a different way for most women the typical postpartum depression experience is I shouldn't say most women because you know obviously don't know every woman out there has experienced it but the typical kind of thing that we hear is that you know they stay in bed and they cry a lot and they don't have any energy they don't so it's get not up
0: much different than normal depression
1: yeah that was not me I, like, was hand-making Halloween costumes and, like, taking my daughter. I mean, she had uh, physical illness when she was born, and so we were back and forth to the hospital. And my son was in hockey, and so I was still doing everything. I didn't feel sad, but I kept having hallucinations that, you know, everyone was like, oh, you're just overtired. And I'm going, yeah. That's not right. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think and that normal moms or n- any moms.
0: Not drug induced or sleep no, deprived or anything like no, that. Just no, Out of the blue.
1: Yeah. I, middle of the day, just horrific. Ar- yeah. And so.
0: Hallucinations. That's got to throw you.
1: Yes. And of course, there was no real explanation as to what it was, right? So I was diagnosed with everything. I had every mental illness that existed within a matter of two weeks. And I'm going, holy shit. <laughs> Like how do you absorb all of that and then of course you go through life and you realize that this was impacting you and that was impacting you and you were dealing with this and you had all this weight on your shoulders and then suddenly you're like oh I can breathe again and then you just don't have a mental illness because you didn't really have one to begin with right and so the book kind of talks about like again this is life like you just deal with it as it comes it's not so I I make it very black and white. And a lot of people will say it's not, and and in, to me, going through all these things, life is very black and white.
0: So, and then you have made reference to booze and blow a couple of times. Is was that actual? Were you talking about yourself? And yes. So that is more of a so biograph- a biograph- It's a
1: one. It was a one time incident in the book that we talk about, and so it it kind of keeps going back to the same oh. moment of oh, okay. trying to end my life, and
0: so, oh okay. yeah. So that's right.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm like yeah. Let's just stay away so from that. So that that wasn't
0: that wasn't a regular pattern no. of yours. That was a no, deep, no. dark place that you went to and yes. and escaped from. So that's not something you had to overcome. That wasn't. I think I luckily I, no. I think I read it as a recurring. Yeah, pattern. I
1: mean it. It kind of repeats the same thing over and over because it it's meant to draw back to that same moment because that same moment was very like defining in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So trying to end your life and. Living that was you know more of a struggle than anything.
0: How long did it take you to write the book?
1: two and a half years long time
0: How long is the book
1: um fifty eight pages Wow, I know when you say it like that it's kind of like, wow, it was um well,
0: I'm glad it's fifty eight pages because I don't have the the widest or longest attention span well and i <laughs> I got through yours quite quickly it 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 had a readable style to it and i don't say that because because i've met you before because if 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 it didn't lend itself to readability then it it wouldn't Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't keep me but there was something about it that um that kept me reading and i think it it was the ease of the uh, just the, the style that it was written in seemed to be Reader friendly for life. I'm a glad that
1: right. you say that because there was a lot of argument, not argument like in a negative way, but there was a lot of back and forth. Like, you know, you need to change the way you wrote this because people aren't going to ask, like, no, I, this is me, right? Like, I wrote it as if I'm talking right to you, kind of like, right. you know, and there's actually parts of it. And I'm like, so if this is what you actually think about life, <laughs> news flash, like, this is the real world, people. And so I kind of you know, talk directly to the reader, which I think makes it easier for people to stay engaged in it. It's almost like, cool. you know, we're going back and forth.
0: If you, are you able to segment your life into, you know, we all have this segment when we're kids, and then we realize when we, you know, we're semi-grown up, and whether that's 10 or grade 10, either or, and then, you know, some people say, okay, well, this is when I became a du- an adult, and this oh, was my six married. Six minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is my married life. <laughs> This is, you know, life after marriage, life with kids. Like, how many compartments would you put oh this my, part I of even your life know into? How like, I would explain
1: th- that? Hmm. I mean, I got pregnant at eighteen. Okay. Had my son at. Well, let's backtrack. I moved out when I was sixteen. From your family home. Yeah, on my own. Moved out on my own. Uh, worked a full time job. Worked midnights. Went to high school. You know overachiever always, <laughs> even in the craziest of times in my life. I uh, got pregnant at 18, had my son at 19, got married young, got divorced three months later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> accident. Um, you know, had my, my other daughter and it's just been like a complete whirlwind ever since. It's almost And, you know, I've had my, because of my life, I've had my kids in my life and out of my life, in my life and out of my life. And every time that that sort of, I mean, it's been settled for a few years now, but every time that that would happen, it was like learning to be a mom all over again. Right. Because we would all be dealing with different things and overcoming stuff and there'd be questions or there'd be like there was a period of time my daughter went almost a year not speaking to me, like as a little tiny. Right. Like. Four years old, like she barely knew me. So, you know, it was like my son like knew everything about me, and we were really super close. And like he was with me, and she wasn't. And it was kind of like you could be a really great mom to one, and then the other one needs like reprogramming almost. And so, I
0: know what that's like.
1: It's kind of all been meshed. Like I would say, the last two years, my life has like really just kind of calmed down.
0: No, did you say because of my life, referring to your daughter? Yeah. So. Well, dig I mean, into nothing was
1: bit. about her, right? I mean, she didn't do anything because my life has been the way it's been. So. Can
0: you speak to any of that? Yeah,
1: the book talks about the book and out of the book, there was a lot of stuff actually left out of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was molested. I had a father who was a drug user. I had a mom who was a single what kind mom. Of drugs? Uh, all kinds, lots of cocaine, heroin. Okay, okay. so yeah. I mean,
0: nobody ever says alcohol when they refer to drugs. Yeah, no, you know not
1: I mean? alcohol actually, which is odd. So
0: the heavy ones. Yeah. The the ones the heavy that ones. ruin your life.
1: So I remember, you know, watching him do drugs as a child. I remember all of that stuff. Were you
0: catching him, or he was just—he just it was at a point where he didn't care any to them. I like, just like, think
1: he wasn't aware. There was not like an awareness to it, and so. I grew up around that I mean I have a brother who you know thankfully both of them are clean and you know living good decent lives but I grew up with all of that stuff around me I grew up with an alcoholic grandfather who was an incredible loving man but you know as long as he was drunk because that was the only way he knew how to be and so You know, I grew up in this kind of crazy childhood and got pregnant young. And so, of course, there's all kinds of different things that come with that. I was sexually assaulted. Um, I used to be an escort. So that was part of my my life journey. Um, My grandmother died in my arms while I did CPR. There's just been this like never ending. I always tell people it's I feel like I've been held underwater to the point that I'm just about to pass out and then the world kind of like lifted me up and said like take your breath of air now and let me shove you back down and so I feel like but you know in a very honest way I feel like that's been my life like okay let me breathe for one second and then let's shove you back down and see how much more you can handle or if you can hold your breath a little bit longer this time so my grandmother would always say to me just breathe just breathe just breathe and it's funny because now I always find myself saying that to myself I'm like just breathe through this you'll be fine (laughs) So hmm. when I look at it in relation to her, you know, trying to explain to a child why her life is the way it is, it's because of the way my life was. Which is true for any parent, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So I want do you, are you in contact or do you have, you know, people that you hang around with that have been through the same type of things that you've been through?
1: No, actually. Okay. Not a lot of them. So
0: did you get any support regarding the <laughs> assault and that kind of things? Like, I mean, you seem like you're pretty level-headed and, and well put together. Oh, you're I one haven't always
1: been level-headed. <laughs> no, and get I, get that. There.
0: I get that from the book. Yeah. But, um, Truthfully? And, and I think we talked about the masks before, too. We're all really very adept and, and well-trained at putting the mask on. Yes. And, I mean, social media is taking that to a whole new level, and... I'll give you credit, you know, for it. It, it makes me uncomfortable. And Sorry. that's my baggage. Yeah. Like, I look at even those simple videos of you sitting on the couch and I go,
1: wow. I was crying I think, and I cried through most of that I think interview. Part
0: of it is because, like, deep down, I want to be that person, but I just can't avail, I can't make myself available to that much vulnerability, I don't think like I have other things that I do that make me vulnerable, even running in an election or what have you. I mean you put yourself out of it mm-hmm. out there, you know, you take on the big parties and the big donors and and you take you know a it's few a different arrows. kind of vulnerability oh, when you're doing absolutely. that, right? Yeah, it's... but um, you know, and I, I respect you for doing it. I just I, I look at it and I go, Ooh, like that's not me in a
1: very <laughs> honest way it's been draining like there's all kinds of feelings that come with that right like i remember when i stood on a stage and told everyone i was an escort and like jaws dropped and people were like oh my god like your career is over and like why would you do that and you know my family to this day has like never spoke about it. They're just like ignoring the fact that I broadcasted that and it's just not something we talk about in our it's family. It's
0: obviously not a big secret, especially if you escort in the town you live. I mean, well, you're...
1: I didn't, and, and so okay. that's part of it. But, I mean, there was no support with anything ever. I remember, you know, after I was assaulted, I think it was probably it was months before I even saw my mother and not... Not in a negative to her, but I look at my grandmother and, you know, God rest her soul, but she was not an affectionate person at all. Like, something happens, you just deal with it and you move on. And so, you know, well, my mother... just sweep
0: it under the rug.
1: Well, yeah, and so people kind of have a tendency, you're either exactly like your parents or you're the total opposite. Mm-hmm. And so my mother and I are polar opposites. She's very, like, here's a to-do list, just go fix your life. And I'm going, but that's not gonna work (laughs) for me and so I've done most of it on my own which has probably made the healing process much much longer and more difficult but it allowed me to learn a lot of really great lessons
0: and how old were you when the assault occurred
1: I was 24
0: oh okay so you're not a child
1: no Uh, well I was 12 years old when I was molested this is the first time I've ever actually talked about this. well and
0: I appreciate it because I want to understand it more than anything what I'm getting and what I'm trying to get to is and maybe you don't have the answer for this but I want to know I mean I I've been thinking about it a lot lately I was assaulted and molested at some point and it it was done it was over and but i'm a boy i know i know we handle things differently and it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal honestly it wasn't and um <laughs> i don't like, i don't feel like it was let me roll my eyes now no, but i don't feel like it was i, I wasn't bent out of sh- it it was stupid it was it was pretty fucked up the guy was drunk it was a guy you yeah. know and it was a guy i knew he was a friend of the family and i was young i was like 16 17 i think that's still pretty young yeah But I mean, and I'm only just digging this up lately, I think because of the climate that we live in, Mm -hmm. this Me Too type of thing. I'm
1: so sick of that.
0: And I have (laughs) some really strong feelings around a lot of it, some of which I'm not, I don't think I'm, I've given the proper time to think it through and and articulate it because it's a sensitive, I don't ever want someone that was oppressed or taken advantage of to think that I would think that that's okay. But I, I'm kind of with you, and I mean, so many women that I know are like, oh, "Would you, you could fucking shut up, you people. Yeah, you and I, I would say and that's
1: necessarily my... <clears throat>
0: there's all kinds of different elements yeah. to it. So, but what I'm trying to get to is we all have stuff. Uh, men and women are different about how they handle things. Yep. And I wonder what makes you loving and accepted... Uh, accepting of uh, others or strange. i mean you met with me you didn't know me very well i mean we met at mate it wasn't it wasn't a big deal <laughs> i'm
1: like you said you were having a crap day i said come have i was having with a me, shitty day and that was right? really but cool I'm... and
0: you're like uh, and, and and again i've become pretty good at, at, at just not asking why or, or just saying yes regardless of how i feel about it yeah. and so you were there and i took you up on it and and um so, but uh, uh, it makes me curious as to you could go either way with this. You could be a man hater, which you're obviously not. No. I see you interacting, and I know it's business, and you got your business mask on, if you want to call it that, and whatnot. Mm. But you know, I mean, you can tell the way someone shakes your hand, or says hello to yep. you, or when they say goodbye to you. What you know, what type of person they're, how warm and inviting and trusting they are. Mm. You can do a lot with body language, and absolutely. And so, I see you as someone that. You know, seems to have accepted what happened. I don't know, moved on in a healthy fashion. I I don't know, but it doesn't seem like you could very easily be that girl. I'm going to say that guy, <laughs> that guy that hates on on men, that guy that or the the girl that is like all you see is oppression. And feminism and rape culture everywhere. And men are bad (laughs) because they take advantage of little girls. Yeah. Like uh, most men don't do anything like that. That's why I I really push back against this idea that we live in a rape culture. We don't live in a rape culture, for crying out loud. Most men don't rape.
1: It's funny that you say that. I was really criticized for a video that I did. Like I was like woman-shamed from other women because... You know, I started writing and I started talking about writing and I started talking about the book. And all these people were like, oh, yeah, go feminism. And I'm like, no, that's not me. Like, it's not I, I look at men, I look at women. And, and if you're a woman and you wanted to fight for equality, then be an equal. Like, I'm not going to put you on a pedestal because you're a woman and then bring a man down because they're a man. I've met men that are shitty and I've met, wi- met women that are sh- shitty right like you meet people and then everyone's got different qualities and everyone's got different things and so I I don't really take a side on that and despite my life and my relationship with you know men and things that they've done to me you know I, I could meet you on the street should I assume you're bad right away no right I did a video where you know I was interviewing someone and they were accused of sexual assault and I kind of said you know so what like and and not so what to degrade that, but if you're a person and you do something wrong and you, you know, do whatever you can to make it right, should we hold that against you for the rest of your life? No. And I can say that because I've done really horrible things. And would I want people to hate me for the rest of my life and hold it against me and never forgive me? No. So I don't – I've projected that out into people, and so I feel like I can kind of close that barrier. And the other thing is is that in my past life as an escort – I walked into different things all the time, and I never knew what I was going into. You know, most of the time it was fine, but it wasn't always fine. And so I meet people, and I just kind of accept them and go, okay, this is going to be what it's going to be, and we just deal with it as it comes. And so I've kind of tried to like stray away from letting my past life experiences change who I am today, which has not been easy, but Mm. it took time.
0: Well, it's a lot to manage. Uh, I mean, just just knowing that little part of the book, which I, uh, I imagine is a very small piece of your life, even though it, yeah. it, I mean it depends on how you measure it and w- what uh, metrics you use. But that that's not your whole life. That little story there, no not a little story. I don't want to no no. It's fine. It, but, um, and you talked about doing horrible things. I kind of feel like <laughs>
1: don't make me say. That. <laughs> we've
0: forgotten. Maybe some of us don't know the depths that we are willing to sink to. to.
1: I've done some really terrible things. Yeah,
0: and I think most of us don't think that we're that person. And until you can say, I'm a filthy monster who has a proclivity to do horrible things to themselves and to other people with no regard for any of the consequences... And I'm saying, I'm not drunk. I'm not drug induced. I'm talking about. You're
1: just a person, and a you do things wrong. Or you, make, or you do things do wrong that what? you know are wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done things wrong that I knew were wrong. And then, you know, you kind of step back one day and go, like, oh, you know, but should that be held against you forever? I, I don't think so. I mean, there are people out there who you know serial killers and whatever do you forgive them and put a smile on your face no but do you hope that you know they can find something good in their life or find a way to fix anything that they've done or at least find a way to be happy with themselves because they're still living and they still have to be part of this earth and maybe one day they can give something good back if anything i would want that i mean i wouldn't want horrible people just walking around hating each other that's not me it's not who i am
0: uh do you have a faith yeah you believe in a higher power i do like a god or an oversoul or something that you pray to and say yeah get me out of this
1: i'm sure (laughs) i'm sure god's frequently looking down at me going like seriously
0: are you are you trying to catch (laughs) this chip today are you
1: asking me for that now after (laughs) you just this or but that's the thing right i'm human and like everyone is human and not, I'm not ever going to try to be perfect. I mean, I don't want to be.
0: And So how has that played a role in all of this? I mean, we've never spoken about this before. and no. So I'm surprised to hear that you have that at all. I don't know why. I mean, we've never discussed it. About uh, my faith? Yeah.
1: Um, how has it played a role? I
0: mean, because as humans, I think the faith element seems to come in when we're just absolutely broken to our knees. I know, mm-hmm. and I've learned to say... <laughs> Thank you in celebration because many times I don't give thanks. I'm just like, dude, can you help me here? I'm struggling. And I think if you have a faith, that's like the bottom line is you go when you're broken and and you have no other recourse.
1: It's funny because when I'm at like my worst moments in life, there's two things that go through my head now. One, just breathe. And two, I count. I don't think about anything. And because I, when I'm not okay, I'm like a ticking time bomb. And so I, I think I've talked about it before on camera several times. I'll count, I'll just like pick a number and I'll go like 30, 28, 26, 24, 22, 20. And then I'll reverse it and I'll try to go the opposite way because it's when you're in that state of mind, it's really hard to focus on the numbers to get the next right number. So I don't even go to faith. And it's a strange thing because that's typical for people. But I find I go to faith when Somebody comes to me and says, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? That's when I go to it. I'm like, God, I don't have anything left to give. Like, (laughs) I've got nothing for this person right now. Like, give me something to give to them. Like, give me, you know, five more minutes of patience because this person needs it more than I need it right now. That's And it's not typical, I don't think, for people to do that. But given the life I've lived, I'm really big on, like, supporting other people. Right.
0: Yeah, I guess you'd have to be. And <laughs> yeah. You also, it's you know, pretty evident to me that you you must be a forgiving soul as well. I mean, otherwise, forgiveness you'd be
1: was not monster. an easy thing for me. You
0: can tell when you roll up on someone and they they're full of hate. Yeah, I'm not. Like I'm not. Pretty much like this. i not at right. all.
1: Um, I think I learned that. Well, I've really learned it from my kids, actually. I mean, I look at them and all this craziness that's happened around them, and I remember like that sweet, innocent soul that I used to be, like way back when, before my life turned out to be so horrific and traumatic and all these things happening. And I'm like, just be that person.
0: So, what like, age did that end? 10?
1: Uh, Well, 12. Eleven. 12. 12. Okay, so
0: it was an event.
1: Yeah. You well, really see that? That's the first thing I remember. The-
0: you see that moment in time as like the end of your innocence.
1: Yes. I think when someone takes something from you. I can't like imagine. Like from your soul. And you're that young and you don't know how to process it. You don't know what to do with it. Then it's just kind of gone. It's like part of you is gone. Like I talk about that a lot, right? Like there's, you know, I met this person. They came in my life and they took this. And, and that's gone and it's changed. I'm not that person anymore. But what do I fill it with? Right? What do I replace that with? I there's like a giant hole in my heart, and now I can stick something else there. What's it going to be? Is it going to be another person? Is it going to be a better character trait? Is it going to be like a new hobby, or is it? What do I put there? I can put anything. Drug, there. food, yeah, sugar. Food I should try. Sugar. <laughs> <I> should, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of I put sugar, sugar, in my hole. <laughs> I, I brought something for you. Speaking of sugar, I have actually <laughs> have
0: a gift I'm carb free, baby.
1: <laughs> What's this? So. You know, I I've been really busy. Is it a puppy? Yeah, <laughs> in it, in a bag. Is it drugs? <laughs> it's a, a squash dog. But I've been so busy with um with the Steffi networker in Vegas and work and and kids. Yeah, driving you have kids been around busy. like I'm and a taxi driver. Say, you Pull
0: people in quickly by responding quickly, but then. You go to this mode where you're like, I'm too busy to get back to you. I'll get back to I you know it's, I feel like it. <laughs> I have a really amazing
1: new assistant who's been... I know. You know, it's so hard. Actually, I'm going to quickly, before we open this... Pardon me? I had like a total... we have to turn the
0: cameras off before we open this? No, no, no. Said? I'm just going to... You know I hate surprises. You only know that because I just told you.
1: Yeah, but this is before fun. Before we went rolling. This is like super fun. So... I had this moment. I'm not like, good
0: opening gifts. I won't react I'll, the way you I'll want me to. I'll open
1: it and hand it to you. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't do mean. We're gonna do it.
0: Physically opening. The We're gift. gonna like do it. I mean, when people give me <laughs> gifts, they're always disappointed with my reaction.
1: It's oh my gosh! I had a person uh, buy people. me a diamond bracelet and I opened it and I went, oh. <laughs> i'm like why did you buy me that i'm don't, not
0: don't like take a... <laughs> my reaction from me now i was i was banking on oh yeah now, oh, now that? that just doesn't seem yeah, like can i'm use not, that.
1: i don't like jewelry <laughs> yeah, i'm not I, and
0: for anyone else that's uh lot. for the <laughs> for the two people that will watch this <laughs> over the next month and a half uh yes if you're on the show you shall bring
1: gifts yeah I'm so, okay so not let's, let's open it all right <laughs>
0: Is this the end so of the I show? So I haven't had
1: a lot no, I haven't had a lot of time with my kids lately, and so I was forgetting what it was like to be like you... a weird, silly, fun mom. So we're gonna do this together. Oh, I just I need man. to go back to-make me sing? I need to go back to you're like, what the hell's in the book?
0: <laughs> this is weird.
1: I bookmarked it.
0: Oh. What the what... <laughs> Okay, you have to hold it in front
1: of the camera. Um. It's a wreck-it journal. Have you heard of this?
0: I've heard of a fuck-it journal. Okay, you well, know what the fuck-it a- journal is? A fuck-it journal is where you throw it over there and you say, fuck that journal. I'm not writing
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for like a to come <laughs> out and change it to fuck-it. Okay, so you're going to pick. Thank you. No, you're, we're going to do this. No, thank you you're for welcome. the gift.
0: I'm sure it's nice. I don't know anything.
1: <laughs> so. You're going to pick... Wait, we need the rest of the stuff in the bag. You're going to pick oh. one of these.
0: Oh which? Okay.
1: And, and you're going to do it, and then I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to do it.
0: Fizz! <laughs> you, you couldn't find Pop Rocks?
1: Well, <laughs> <Fucking> no. woman. <laughs> but you can't read it first, so you I just have to pick one.
0: Well, I, oh, I have to pick one of these? Yeah. Oh, this is weird. You know I'm going to pick the third one. Oh, no. Okay, so open it. Uh, what, I can't read it.
1: Yeah, you can read it.
0: Oh, you said okay. So. So what does it sell, say? It says sell this page. You want to buy it?
1: This no. Page? So okay. So now you gotta try to sell this page since we're on Facebook Live. Oh, for fuck's sake! Night- I okay, hate this game. So I don't know if you can see this. Hold on. There. There.
0: Pimp this page. It, it says
1: sell this page. So before we get off of here, you need to. You need to sell this.
0: Okay, can you, uh, like, give me one of these things on the bottom of can it? I'll I- <laughs> be able to
1: sell it. <laughs> this is my author signature.
0: Because <laughs> nobody wants anything. Sarah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, like, uh, Jim right. Fannin touched well, this at one time, or Sarah Gretzinger put her... Freaking lips on it!
1: Who wants to buy this? <laughs> we'll we'll donate the money to um. Hospice Niagara. Yeah, Hospice Niagara. So put your dollar number there, and you can pick it up Monday at the savvy networker. <laughs> we'll e- we'll each sign it. This. <laughs> okay, now I'm gonna pick one. <laughs>
0: this is fun. Now, sell this page. Who's, <laughs> whose book is this?
1: Well, it was my kids, but. Oh. So trace your toes
0: i hate toes
1: i'm gonna to trace my toes oh
0: no <laughs> you just not mean you have to take your socks off and i put can your... take
1: my socks off
0: this is not how i envisioned this going <laughs> understand and this is, i have like
1: really ugly. this is
0: getting far too
1: ugly toes. Weird can i an
0: intimate yeah don't no, keep them to yourself i don't want to see them
1: oh maybe we should make you <laughs> trace them. maybe you should trace <laughs> them <laughs> No, I'm, You're kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can handle toes. You frame this and put it on your.
0: I don't know about this. This is, I um, did not see this interview going this way. Um. There. <laughs> okay, so that's tracing your foot. I'm okay. fine with that.
1: Okay, so you take the next one. Okay. I booked four of them. Oh,
0: I hope it doesn't say trace your. I oh, forget it. <laughs> cover four quarters with your connect the dots from memory <laughs> what's that mean
1: you have to look at the page and then close your eyes and connect the dot oh. what kind of kid are you see i'm we're not back to being kids. i'm not a very
0: good kid um <laughs> i can't do this connect the dots from memory um, no
1: cheating I got my <laughs> I
0: can't.
1: here i'll hold the book
0: okay there we go Well now. Now I
1: don't even know where the book is.
0: (laughs) Um, they're both the same, aren't they? Like this.
1: You have to connect all the dots.
0: That dot's all connected. One, two, three. Oh, connect all the dots. (laughs) For fuck's sake, see. He
1: totally flunked this. (laughs) I think I won. I think
0: I won. This this game sucks. I like this marker though.
1: It's a great marker. This one says, tongue painting. Eat some colorful I can tongue paint. And lick this page. This I can do. We've
0: rehearsed this, you know. Okay,
1: you do this then. I mean, brought you candy.
0: No, no, seriously. Yeah. Eat some candy. Candy. Lick the page. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sakes. I'm going to eat the candy, but it's flesh colored. It's not going to come out. Okay,
1: go do red.
0: This is not the fizz that I remember.
1: This is actually from Halloween last year. I'm
0: off sugar. Did I tell you that?
1: Like, well, actually two years ago. There, that one's green in a red wrapper. Imagine that. I think they got it wrong.
0: I have to wait for the fizz. Okay,
1: so when your tongue goes orange, you need okay. to lick it.
0: All right. And then that's right. that's that for that. That's
1: that. You okay. can do the rest of it later. You can change it to fuck it and toss it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: I want well, my marker back, though.
0: That's your marker? Uh, yeah. I was just saying, that's the only thing I like about it.
1: <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> Can't talk with this in my mouth. Is that it? Are we done? We want to roll some more?
1: Uh, it's entirely up to you.
0: I think you distracted me.
1: I'm sorry. Completely. It was well worth it. I okay. wonder how much our page sold for.
0: Um, Well, not a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> How you uh, launching the book? You doing a party or an event? No. All right. On to <laughs> the next question. Oh, I wanted to ask you. Um I think we established that you have a forgiveness trait inside you. Yep. Uh that you can't teach. You're you've got that or you don't have it. Did you learn that? Or you think that's just the way you are?
1: Um Truthfully, I think that you learn it.
0: Really? Okay. I'm i don't think that people...
1: That. I mean, I right. think that like... But
0: forgiveness takes a lot of work, and it doesn't come naturally.
1: Yeah, I think that when we're young, like, I always tell my girl, like, oh, you should forgive your sister for that, right? And But what does that really mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just words. I think that real forgiveness with real life stuff comes from a deeper understanding of what you wanted of your own life. Not what you want for the other person. Hmm. I think that if I do something to you right now, you're going to carry your own weight from that. And so am I. And so the real forgiveness comes with if I can forgive myself, then I deserve to ask you for forgiveness. Hmm. If I can't own up to my own stuff, then what right do I have? And I learned that. Okay. I learned that. Yeah, I
0: think you're right. I think, you know, some things come to us as, uh, like, I don't think he can be taught some things. and
1: I don't know how you teach someone that. Like, you can teach someone to try to look at something differently, Mm -hmm. right? In in which case they may, you know, make a choice to see it from a different way. But I don't Mm -hmm. think you can, you can't force anyone to feel anything.
0: And you... Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I misrepresented when I said addictions because I've, I've, I thought that was a recurring thing, like love the blackout to be and the days something. and the coke <laughs> and the booze and, and and that 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 image of yeah the no. bottle of vodka and the cocaine dust on the thing. I mean, that kept recurring for me. So, and I thought I didn't get that you were doing that as a, a demonstration, um, because you obviously you. I see you uh, often post about drinking wine. So that's not an issue. What girl doesn't? That's not an issue for you.
1: No. Uh, I'm like a one glass of wine and call it night. But I'm not a big drinker, right? I grew up in a family of alcoholics and and drug users. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it's like red flag and it's just not worth it.
0: So you very easily could have been an alcoholic just like the rest of your family but I think it's one or the other either you fall in line and you uh repli- you uh
1: black and white what do you call it you either are or you aren't right Yeah That's or you I say, say
0: every- no I'm never going to be that guy Yeah Um and you're the exact opposite no, because I have no of the yeah. abuse
1: Actually I was I was with someone the other day and I said uh gosh, I could use a drink right now. And I was literally in the parking lot of the liquor store, and I was like, eh, I'm too lazy to get it out of the car. Like, I'm just going to go home. And they're like, seriously? I said, I literally could never be an alcoholic. I'm far too lazy for it. I just don't have the drive for that. No. But, uh, no, I mean, there's that other component to it, too, that people go through something in life, and then... It brings out this this drinking rage or this substance abuse or whatever else it might be, right some people turn to sex and you know some people turn to different things as a way of therapeutically coping with something
0: right, and I mean it's all about coping it, yes. i mean when you're you have traumatic things and it, even if they're not traumatic i mean this is all about adjusting our expectations and and yeah, coping—such a great word. So you know much I mean?
1: from the world. Hmm? Like people expect way too much. I just find all the time, even me. And I was talking to someone about it this morning. Like, you know, we do social media marketing, and we have a client, and we do, you know, four Facebook posts a month, and they pay us a hundred dollars, which is pretty great. You know, takes me.
0: I wish I got twenty-five bucks a post for my social.
1: Yeah, but right and so like
0: social media sickness
1: you know we we ended up letting the client go you know you fire your own client because they would call me like daily can you this can you that can we talk about this I'm like you pay me $100 what what do you expect like you don't own me right Mm. but it's funny because the world sort of perceives that you know if I do this for you then you're gonna do all this for me and it's never-ending and I think there's a really big misrepresentation in what people's roles are in other people's lives and what we're really meant to do for people. It's kind of sad, it really is.
0: Did you uh, have to experience, obviously, I don't know this, uh, that's why I'm asking, uh, managing guilt from some of these traumatic things? I still have
1: a lot of it. And that's why I talk, you know, I just finished saying, right? there are parts of life that stay with you i don't know some of the guilt i have i don't know if it will ever leave i don't know if i want it to which is a really strange and you know some people might say it's unhealthy but i always tell people and it's it's funny that you mentioned like i'm like really engaged and then i kind of pull back And when I'm really engaged is when I'm feeding off of all of that stuff that's still inside me. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me going. It's a reminder like... The
0: unhealthy Yeah, um, I
1: kind of go like, I don't ever want to be that person again, so let me use it to be something good. And then, you know, people expect so much from you that you kind of tire yourself out. And then I kind of pull back and then I dig deep in and I find all that crap and I use it and I go out and do all these really great things and it's sort of just a maybe unhealthy cycle but it works and I don't know I think that having guilt towards some of the stuff I've done is because I haven't been able to ask for forgiveness or I haven't forgiven myself and that's normal I don't want to forgive myself for something just to be like oh I'm guilt-free today you know it's not
0: Hmm. I was thinking more about the guilt of the things that you're really not responsible for I think we carry guilt. No,
1: no, and that comes with forgiving them. Okay. Like I, I remember after I was assaulted, learning that
0: this is at twenty-four.
1: Yeah, that the two men that assaulted me both had children. So when I did the court case, I did it through a third party, and so they send, you know, a trauma worker.
0: This is in the book. Yeah. They were both in the book. The twelve-year-old. Yeah. And a twenty-four-year-old so will... experience were both in the book.
1: Yes. See, it's so much. <laughs> yeah. How do, you, how do you absorb it all?
0: I, you know what? It's weird because it's almost like I read fiction. That stuff was maybe hard, so hard for me when to I, read. When I
1: I wrote that, like most of most of you, most people go through you, one or two. Traumas. You were looking for your
0: friend. You showed up to the hotel, and I've done it. Like I cannot even well begin to put myself in your position of that i mean i've been drunk i've been you know all that kind of stuff but like i can't even that is like a movie to me that is like fiction that somebody
1: but it happens it happens all the time right like things like that happen
0: what do you think makes you different from somebody else that goes out and hates men for the rest of their lives you very easily could be the bigger I don't man.
1: know. I mean, I remember... That was a
0: horrific story. And, you know, I don't want you to go into it now. No, because it's fine. it's difficult. But, it, no, I mean, you need a reason for people to read the book, I think. But, you know.
1: No, and this is actually not even related. But when we're talking about forgiveness and, and how I cannot hate men, when the counselor came back to me after going to court and doing the trial and all of that stuff, and we would have all these conferences and, you know... That in, and, and she kind of like let it slip that one of the men had two children. And all I kept thinking was, oh, my God, those two children are going to grow up without their father. <sighs> I, I mean, that was my. Good. But that was my guilt because I look at my father who would, you know, do drugs and jump off balconies and like, sorry, bat shit crazy when he was using. And I still loved him. Right. Even in his worst moments, he was my father. He is part of my life. And, you know, he's clean and he's got his life together now. And he's an amazing man. And should I hate him forever for that? Should Mm. he have been taken away from me for that? Yes. But did that do something to me as a child? Absolutely. Not having my father did probably just as much damage as it would have having him. Right. Because it changes you in a different way. So. I remember everybody being like, I don't know how you're not so mad, you're not so angry. And I just kept thinking about these little kids who had no dad suddenly. And being a mom, like I could relate to that. And being a child who grew up without her father, that was where my attention went, right? Like, I want to think about these people who are also affected and not me. And the other thing was, was I kept saying, and I wrote it in the book, like I'm grateful it was me. I really am. And and that was a hard thing to come to terms with. But had some other girl walked in there, had it been someone else, she might not have survived that. She might not have had the same will and the same stuff and been through all kinds of things prior to that moment that led her to a point where she could... I mean, I didn't pick up my life like this and just be like, oh, yay, let's, like, go save the world or whatever. But she may not have been able to have the same life that I have now had that happened to her. She may not have survived it. And so... I'm grateful that it was me and not someone else because you you don't know what someone else would have taken from that.
0: I can't imagine ever saying I wish it was me unless it was to protect my children, which I don't have. So, but see, and it's and I it's mean,
1: I know everyone says like you've got a really weird like twisted way of thinking about things, and and it's you true. Hear that a lot? But I mean, I've been through a lot of trauma, and so that is my coping. That's how I overcame it. That's how I you know broke through the glass ceiling. Is that I found a different way to look at it. I found a way to be thankful instead of hate because why do i want to hate every single man out there because of something because
0: they're all rapists
1: well yeah right (laughs) because of something that two people did or something that happened to me when i was a child or something that might happen to me you know there's all these women out there and they're always going and men too oh this might happen and i'm like okay like do we stop living now because this might happen Mm. Do we preconceive to hate someone or dislike someone or distrust someone because of what might happen? I, I don't know. I don't want to live like that. It feels like a lot of weight just trying to absorb what that would feel like.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's uh takes a deep level of character I think to be able to um to forgive and to not like are you okay? Like do you have any <laughs> I, I- Seriously, how staff, can you not? Have I said to my staff, "Hang <laughs> Like I mean, if
1: I tell people, you're, if you ask story, me how I, I am at hotel? work, you're fired. I'm like, stop asking. You know what?
0: I don't mean that in a in no,
1: a no. A I know, but patronizing you get tired maybe, of Maybe
0: it. it is patronizing, but I can't imagine male or female, man or woman, going through half of what. Well, I mean, we all go through stuff, but then be to live a normal life afterwards but there's no, like sexually
1: normal's just a setting on the dryer uh, right yeah. it really is like what the heck defines normal have anymore
0: we have hang-ups we carry baggage with us like from things that happened to us when we we're three four five six years old that we, at 30 40 50 years old we're still making decisions on about our life that because we stepped on a bee and Beside the sprinkler and the totally and favorite to place to be you know, <laughs> I know I use that as an example because y- you know that story about the kid that steps on the bee while he's in his happy place running through the sprinkler in his own front so yard it's not his
1: happy place anymore yeah it can't but it, be it, that's anymore a it's
0: destroyed now because he, all you remember is there was something really wrong my leg was on fire i don't know i'm bad it's my see, fault, I see it that and way. then we go and we wear slippers in the yard for the rest of our lives. We're sixty year old, and we won't walk barefoot on the on the grass
1: see, while I we're running through the sprinkler
0: at sixty years old. Because I'm totally no, the because because well, we might get we might get stung by a bee, and I, I, I that's we a, need
1: to put you through some more trauma and make you more resilient. Oh <laughs> no, I, I no mean, but... I,
0: I've had my share. I don't know trauma, but I've nearly killed myself many times. Not,
1: but you're still here, and you still have a good life, right?
0: I mean, accidents. Um, People should not sign into my Gmail or their Gmail at my house. I'm just saying. Should we read their stuff? No, but we should (laughs) drop their album on them two weeks before (laughs) it comes out. That would be a good idea. G sharp Yahia. (laughs) <laughs> uh he was in here the other day and he signed into my computer on his gmail and don't you know he left it open or he left his code in there or something <laughs> and there's his new album he told me last night when i interviewed him i should have leaked it maybe i should leak it right now maybe um, that was
1: intentional uh, <laughs> maybe.
0: Uh, i don't think you answered the question of what you're doing for the release
1: I'm not – we were going to do a book release, um, but really and truly, I've got the event Monday. I'm doing the 10-day video series. I'm going to Vegas. You know, there's just so many. I'm teaching a quart. Like, there's just so much happening right now that uh, I think when I get back – I'm going to Ireland for a month, so I think when I come Uh, back, then I will focus more on that. I wasn't really ready for the –
0: you say, Oh no! No, I I'll focus trials. on that when I get back. No, but what is that? The book launch. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I wasn't ready for the amount of attention that it would bring. Like it's
0: the book. Yeah. And what's the ten days promoting the book?
1: Um, I did an interview series, and so we broke it down into segments, so it wasn't quite so long. And so there's ten different components of like the writing process, and and who it affected, and how it affected them, and What it was really like to, you know, dig deep into all of that stuff and relive it and relive it and relive it and relive it because the editing process was like long, very long. Hmm. Going over it and over it and over it and talking about it and having to read it out loud. You know, it's different when you write something and then when you say it, you're like, oh, (laughs) there's something there still.
0: We did an interesting experiment and a course called the Landmark Forum. I think it was. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the advanced (laughs) course. And they get you to work on a problem, and you have to write extensively about this problem. And so for most people, it's something right up in front of them every day that they see that they're having a hard time uh, adjusting to or working through or accepting or what have you. And it just hit me when you were saying this, and I'm, I'm not comparing the two, but it was a really cool exercise from the standpoint that you write this thing down and then they say, now I need you to expand on it and expand and expand. And you write and keep writing and write and write and write and write. And, write. and at some point they go, okay, are you exhausted? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, have you invented every impact that could possibly eff- you know, mm-hmm. be an effect of this issue and then they have you read it out loud to a partner so you're sitting one-on-one just similar to this with the chairs facing this way but closer you have to read it yep you have to read it verbatim like as it's written and then it's
1: i think that's when it hits you once you say it out loud
0: uncomfortable yes it's it's not um it's a challenging exercise, but most of them are, and especially in advanced course, they've mm-hmm. got the fear exercise. All that.
1: We hope that the advanced course challenges you a the little bit. The one where you
0: stand this close to someone and you have to stare them in the eyes, like you have to make eye contact for something, like seven minutes or something ridiculous. Like it's spooky, hard. See, I don't. That stuff crazy. doesn't. I don't know what it is. That oh, stuff doesn't even. And face I had me. this black guy with uh hazel eyes. He, if the devil had a. He would like <laughs> oh, he, was, he was. Oh no, he's a sweet guy, Desmond. I, <laughs> I remember his name to this day. And we actually, I should look him back up. Anyways, that you read this thing and then they tell you to read it again. It's your story. It's your words. It's your impact, and it's all supposedly true <laughs> until you read it ten times out loud to your partner. Yeah, and then you look at the words on the page. And they're not even recognizable from a handwriting standpoint. Forget the words.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That now mean nothing.
1: Exactly. And now
0: you can't get through it without busting out in laughter. Because it's now comedy. That someone could actually believe this stuff was true. Um, And that's your shit. It's yeah. your story. But uh, and I don't know why the... The process turns it into something that seems so meaningless when that that thing is the that's the sole issue of your life. But when you expand and expand and expand and expand expand until you can't expand anymore and then you read it out loud over and over and over, suddenly you're left with, I'm full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying you are. It
1: gives it a different shape, right? I mean, I think I don't know what the exercise I I don't know how it works. Yeah but that's the acceptance part right you have to like I just said you have to look at it in a different way and then it becomes you know I was able to focus on the fact that it wasn't someone else who was assaulted and that those kids would have no dad I wasn't focused on what happened to me I was focused on what can I do now what can I make better now what can I do next not and so that process comes from reliving it in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over until you're like oh my god this is exhausting I don't want it anymore I'm really big on that like people will say stuff to me and I'll kind of go I don't want that information like I don't want to know that and like goodbye right if I don't need it and it's not a value to me or to them or to someone else I don't like make a point I know it's like still mentally in there but I don't make a point of attaching to it anyway it's just like gone hmm. what's it's a the coping strategy
0: mm. Amen. what's mm-hmm. the next book because you don't seem like someone that's going to quit here
1: no you're just um, getting rolling
0: because this was a very painful process for you right took a long time Yep. and especially at the end I think only because I you know I've kind of watched you at the end only because I you know it's it's weird after you it's weird how after you meet someone and you're like oh oh you're that person (laughs) then they start coming up at the top of your feed all the time you're like hey how come I never noticed this person before and now they're there every day? So, yeah, yeah I saw you on the couch, I see you on a bed. I, I, <laughs> uh, you know do this the 10 day thing. Yeah. And then I, I I'm pretty sure that I'm clear that this was a tremendously difficult process for you. The uh, would hardest. you do it again?
1: Well, I am doing it again. Well, here we different... go. So
0: you're just a glutton for punishment. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is still really hard, right? The more you talk about it, you kind of come desensitized to it almost in a way that it becomes a tool. And so, you know, someone will take from this conversation right now what they need to hear right now, hopefully. Um, but the next book is about my life as an escort. So it's called Behind Closed Doors. Oh, geez. Um, and what that really was like i mean there's like this persona of like a okay, pretty I, woman i
0: gotta stop you <laughs> are you crazy
1: no what
0: why do you okay so first thing you think you're gonna make money off this
1: probably you, people are pretty interested okay. in okay, it okay <laughs> well that, that's a good
0: reason you okay. think that you're actually gonna reach someone where they, they're really gonna have this this moment of like thank you F- God for you, you changed my life.
1: I get that quite often. As it is, the well, second those are book is be really very different, reasons. right? So, so
0: you're you're uh, <clears throat> independently confident,
1: <laughs> independent, like beyond measure, insult. really. So the se- the second book is very different, like very different than the first book. Um,
0: I can imagine.
1: I actually went through my old like work phone. And so, yeah, I can't believe we're talking about this. I can't believe I would ever talk about this, but I went through my old work phone and I screenshot conversations. So, like, as men would book time with me, like, all the things that they would say to me and, like, the responses I would have back. And so then this the story, I guess, is, like, the reality of, like, what I was really thinking or feeling or... Like if you said to me right now, like as a, a client in that world, like, oh, you're so sexy. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're so whatever. And in my head, I'd be thinking like, oh, my God, Fuck, I just God want you to fucking that. fall down the stairs and die. <laughs> right. Like that's not what the book, how the book is written, so to speak. But that that was the reality that you change your mentality to suit someone else. Right? So I would constantly change who I was. Did you want my nails painted this color? Did you want me to dress this way? Do you want my hair changed this way? Do you want me to talk to you like this? And so I was constantly changing. Right? But if you look at my profession now in marketing, there are a lot of marketing agencies that are just, you know, travel and tourism or just real estate or just whatever. And ours is a collaboration of everything. Hmm. And so I can adapt like this. Right? I can go from this client to this client to this client to this client to this client and be very aware of all the different components of it and all the different strategies and all the different ways of talking to people in that field and it all comes from that lifestyle. I learned how to do that there and so those conversations that I would have with people and what I was really thinking and feeling it sort of relates into my entire world now and so it's made me extremely successful in a very different way obviously which never would have been expected, but the book is it's not like a sad I mean there's some parts of it that are really, really, really dark. But again, it's like what do we learn from this? So it will be interesting.
0: Now the
1: difficult to write still. Absolutely, but
0: Well you must you must have a gift for it or a really good editor because I think that's something else like I try to write. It takes me a long time to things down in a readable fashion like they're readable for me but they're not easily readable for mm-hmm. other people I don't think uh the title you you know there's there must be some sort of contradiction there because as soon as I heard the glass ceiling um I think of you know well, well what I was originally introduced to the glass ceiling of is like women minorities push and push and push but they can't break through this it's like the glass ceiling. It's not visible, but it's almost like you, you can't catch a break. You can't <laughs> reach well, your full potential because you're, you're oppressed. Mm, so the glass is there...
1: ceiling is kind of more defined as like it's an invisible barrier, right? And okay. so either the world places it on us, our perception that the world places it on us, or a situation as or a circumstance or our own self-image of ourselves kind of becomes that that glass around us. And how do you break through it? And so in my story, there's this constant, like, revolving thing of, oh, my God, like, this is happening now, and how do we overcome this? How do we – and then how it shaped me as a person. Mm -hmm. But the difference in it and and in a lot of books is that it doesn't just say, like, oh, yeah, we went on to live happily ever after, and, like, the grass is suddenly green, and there's flowers blooming everywhere, and, like, life is so peachy because it's not, right? You keep breaking through it, and that's, that's the reality of life is that you have to keep overcoming things. You can't just push and push and push and then you know suddenly life be perfect and happy.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you for the time. That's an hour and a half. That's how fast that goes. That goes fast. An hour and 37 minutes. We came in at 2 o'clock. We started on time, didn't we? Virtually.
1: <laughs> yes. Wink, wink. Um,
0: <laughs> we were late because the guest was late. I was late. With the host.
1: I was entirely the network on time. or
0: any of the technology we, that we <laughs> use. Everything just works perfectly. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Tell the peeps, uh, and this will be podcast and it'll be up on YouTube later too. So it's we get a little spike from the original Facebook Live, um, and we had some viewers come in. Um, but um, just let people know. Oh, Paul Leighton, shocking! <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> um, you know, we had a few people come in. Oh, cool! Thanks to the bo- Phil LaCoco. Thanks to the both of you. <laughs> Interesting, engaging, <clears throat> entertained. Quite the roller coaster interview. <laughs> we'll
1: Maybe take that as a Matt. positive. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I haven't talked to um yeah how do we get a hold of you where do we need to be i i apparently i have a date for next monday let me see if i can get myself out of that somehow no I'll google tell me i'm busy i'm gonna the, show up at your door <laughs> on the 8th of april is that what we're it's talking the about?
1: it's the ninth. april 9th johnny rocco oh
0: april 9th i'm 7 so o'clock. busy that day oh
1: i know At oh, the Savi April 9th, i got
0: david Barrick on the show but it's at one o'clock
1: oh well there you go you and david Barrick can come together you, you know can who, do the show there. Do you know David Barrick? <laughs> no.
0: Do you know who David Barrick is? I
1: do not. Who is David Barrick?
0: Well, he sits on the police services board. He's uh, an elected regional politician from Port Colborne.
1: I'm basically a criminal. We should keep him away from him. Uh, <laughs> he's
0: uh, criminally handsome. There you go. No, I don't know. <laughs> he's a politician. And I don't know, David. I've never spoken to the man, um, but I seem to be drawn to the lightning rods and politically i mean um uh, sandy nunziata is on after that it's, i was going to do this at the end of the show but it's a perfect segue thank you sarah <laughs> uh yeah monday april 9th savvy uh savvy networker johnny Rocco's, 7 p.m there is an open bar or a uh, cash is bar an open yeah cash bar. the <laughs> bar is open for you to give them your cash <laughs> so david barrack's coming in monday april 9th this monday uh, it's Friday already man where did my week go R- roadways it's came in here I took this all this stuff came out last night this desk everything and it that's a lot of I work. mean I treated this to sound well it's not supposed to look uh, like I really don't care about the look oh well, I do actually care about the look it
1: looks very blue
0: it was designed to sound <laughs> well because I'm more concerned about that but uh so I can't believe it's Friday already and oh, 340 it's the weekend it's 340. Three forty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've gone for an hour and forty-five minutes already. So Barrick is in. Uh, check out Sarah's uh, savvy networker Johnny Rocco. Seven o'clock on Monday. And you can Monday. buy this page. Yeah, you can buy this page. Sarah's gonna sign it. You for auction. I'll, I'm gonna buy that page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One o'clock uh, Monday. David Barrick comes in. Uh, this is a really cool conversation. I'm. Um, I don't want to say it's a cool conversation because you might think it sucks, but. I'm having Pastor Bill Markham from Central Community Church come in. I got him for about an hour and a half on Wednesday. So next week I got a Monday, a Wednesday, and a thurs- Thursday, and they're all at 1 o'clock. So Monday, Barrick. Wednesday, Bill Markham. We're doing All God Radio. And then Thursday at 1 o'clock, Sandy Anunziata, who is a former uh, pro football player. Uh, he is an elected regional counselor. Uh, he is also the chair of the NPCA lightning rod that's where that comes from and he is a guy that bills for mileage when he drives to toronto to be on cfrb 1010 radio (laughs) (laughs) makes the taxpayer pay for it way to go sandy (laughs) i'm in your back corner for uh we went to the same high school we were never friends so um sandy annunziata is kind of a political lightning rod and so he'll be in on thursday the 12th at one o'clock and then July eighteenth, we got Mary Jim Diadati coming on. We'll have him for an hour and a half, and we'll talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about with him. So you
1: guys can do the wreck it journal, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wreck this journal. Oh, this okay. So give me the concept of this wreck this journal.
1: There's it's instructions.
0: <laughs> so you just go through it and do what it tells All you to do. All you do is
1: you just open the page. Yeah. So this one says, stick a photo here, glue in a photo of yourself you dislike. Oh. Make a mess and clean it up.
0: I'm going to do that right now. Make a paper
1: chain. Doodle over top of this page.
0: Sell this page.
1: Yeah, we're going to sell that for lots of money.
0: (laughs) Sell this page. Okay, Sarah, love you. Thank you very much for coming I appreciate it. I will find an excuse to not be there on Monday. Um, And you have to sign this, and then we'll hit the record button that says off. Thanks for tuning in every One.